Good evening, amazing people. I want to talk to you today about perception, how we as humans perceive things, how we as believers perceive things, perception in general. And when I talk about perception, I want to talk about all aspects of perception, Uh, how we perceive other people, for example. Uh, You know, there's a lot of comedians that joke that you know, if they get onto an airplane and they see a Muslim guy with a turban, it makes them nervous. And you wonder, is it just a comedian being funny or does that comedian have his finger on the pulse of, of how a lot of us feel when we see someone Muslim in traditional Muslim garb get onto an airplane? Do we perceive this person as being more of a threat? Are we justified in perception or are we not? You know, some will say, oh, well, that's racist, Uh, you know, but if you look at, you know, bombings and uh, hijackings, plane hijackings, is that primarily of Muslim people? So is that an accurate perception or is that a very misguided perception based in fear? I want to talk about the perceptions and sounds Uh, on YouTube. You know, people went crazy about this Laurel Yanni, even the White House did a Laurel Yanny kind of skit. I thought it was funny. You know, do you hear Laurel or Yanny? And I think they came out and said it's actually saying Laurel, but depending on if you can hear high frequencies, it's Yanny or vice versa. Um, So we can actually take something that is saying something else and totally perceive it to say something that it doesn't. And it happens all the time. Someone can call you and you don't hear them or someone could say your name. You don't you didn't recognize your own name or didn't respond to your own name. Or someone could say, you, I want fries. And you think they're saying, give me thighs, you know, and it's it's from, you know, like, oh, did you want thighs? No, I want fries. OK, you could bring somebody chicken when they want potatoes. Right. So our perception uh, can be questionable sometimes. Our perception and vision. You know, one of the hardest things they say is our memory gets fuzzier the further away it gets from the actual event that happened. You know, someone gets robbed. Did I see a five foot male in red or did I see a six foot female in blue? Um, was the object a medium sized object 50 yards away? Was it a very large object 500 yards away? These things for humans have been proven statistically over and over and over and over again to be that humans aren't great at perception. We really aren't that great at perception. Um, I love the show on Netflix, Brain Games, and it just plays with your perception on hearing, on looking at someone's lips and knowing what they're saying, on what you see in in two-dimensional, three-dimensional objects. And it just plays and just shows us how off we are when it, it comes to the area of perception. And you go, well, our perception, which is often fooled a little or even thrown off completely. um, If our perception is so bad, it's been proven decade after decade after decade from police lineups to uh, racial profiling to hearing certain words to giving inaccurate descriptions. And this is of all ages, all races, all nationalities, all backgrounds. If it's a human trait. Not a white trait, not a black trait, not a young trait, not an old trait, but a human trait that our perception isn't that great. 
then why do we trust it? Why do we trust it so much? Why do we trust our perception if it is proven not to be so great? Right? If it's proven not to be so great. You know, if trusting is not good for us, you know, how many times have you seen an E and thought it was a three or a six, thought it was a nine or one, thought it was a seven? Simple mistake until, you know, you just deposited your, you know, semi-monthly check into someone else's account or sent your boss an email you meant for the cleaning crew, right? So why do we trust it? And I kind of think there is two reasons that we trust it. One, because we have nothing else to trust. You know, it's our perception, how we see the world. And and some of us feel or believe that, well, I have nothing else to trust. I have to trust in something and there's nothing else I can trust other than my own perception. And some people have just come to believe their perception. They, they don't see it as flawed. Some say, well, I know it's flawed, but I have nothing else. Some might say, well, I trust it. You know, it's done good for me thus far. Uh, a famous saying started over a millennia ago is that perception is reality or how you see things is the reality you will create and live in. In the corporate world, there's a saying that to a hammer, everything in life is a nail. Meaning if you have a certain skill set, you will attempt to fix every issue by using that skill set. And why not? That is what you know to do. And that has possibly worked for you in the past. The only issue with this is that not every issue is a nail. And in fact, if you treat certain ones like a nail, you will only shatter the opportunity to act correctly on it. Let's I want to go to Mark chapter two, one through 12. And I want to talk about three perceptions. One is the perception of the crowd before and after this event is Jesus healing the crippled man. Two is the perception of the gawkers and, you know, those that are skeptical about what Jesus is doing. And three is the perception of the believers. So I want to talk about a perception of the crowd before and after perception of the gawkers and a perception of the believers. And uh, forgive the noise here in the background. People are opening and going indoors. Um, but perception of the crowd before and after, perception of the gawkers, perception of the believers. Jesus heals a crippled man. Let's go. Chapter two of Mark, CEV. Jesus went back to Capernaum and a few days later, people heard that he was at home. Then so many of them came to the house that there wasn't enough standing room left in front of the door. Jesus was still teaching when four people came up carrying a crippled man on a mat. But because of the crowd, they could not get him to Jesus. So they made a hole in the roof above him and let the man down in front of everyone. So imagine this. There's a crowd of people. People have heard about Jesus. There's a crowd and the crowd is so thick that there's no more. There's, you know, if there was a fire marshal, he would have shut the place down. Right. Because there's no more room on the inside. Their crowd is so big that it is splashed all over the outside. So you can't really get through the crowd anyway. So the people decide to basically get on a, like a neighbor's roof, climb to this roof and let let him down literally through the roof into the area where Jesus is starting at five. When Jesus saw how much faith they had, he said to the crippled man, my friend, your sins are forgiven. Some of the teachers of the law of Moses were sitting there. They started wondering why would he say such a thing? He must think he is God. Only God can forgive sins. 
Right away, Jesus knew what they were thinking. And he said, why are you thinking such things? Is it easier for me to tell this crippled man that his sins are forgiven or to tell him to get up and pick up his mat and go on home? I will show you that the son of man has the right to forgive sins here on earth. So Jesus said to the man, get up, pick up your mat and go home. The man got right up. He picked up his mat and went out while everyone watched in amazement. They praised God and said, we have never seen anything like this. Perception of the crowd, the people before and after the people were already astonished at Jesus. That's why the crowd is there. That's why there's so many people there. That's why the crowd is so large. People are already astonished at what Jesus is doing. They're simply astonished. So the before crowd is astonished. And then after Jesus says, Hey man, your sins are forgiven. The gawkers, the perception of the gawkers are what, who does Jesus think he is? Who does Jesus think he is? He is forgiving a man's sins. Only God can do that. And then Jesus says, okay, well, I know what you're thinking. If only God can forgive sins, is it easier for me to tell this man his sins are forgiven or easier for me to tell a crippled man who cannot walk, who has no ability to walk? Medical science cannot heal his walking. He cannot walk. Is it easier for me just to look at him and say, hey, man, your sins are forgiven? Or for me to say to the to the bones, tendons, muscles and everything that is broken in both of his legs that do not work, will never work, should never work to just look at them and say, hey, Get up, pick up your bed and walk out of here. And for every muscle, tendon, bone, joint to instantly miraculously heal. And for him to walk out of here. So he tells the man just that, hey, pick up your bed and walk. The man gets up and walks through the crowd. Remember, this is crowded on the inside that the Lord through the roof crowds on the outside. So he has to push through the crowd. So he has to not only be able to walk, but have enough strength to push through the crowd in his legs. And not be fall down or knocked down. So the crowd before is amazed. The crowd after is even more so amazed. The gawkers, they they may still gawk, but they have to be amazed, I'm sure. So their perception has changed from this man thinks he's God to what? We either hate him because he has this power, or maybe we should believe him that he is either God or at least the son of God. And the perception of the believers. So the crowd, there's people that are just maybe thinking Jesus is a magician, right? Because some people just want Jesus to come and heal them or perform whatever trick he he has. Some people actually try to buy the Holy Ghost from the disciples, remember, and says, hey, I want that magic that you guys are doing. Let me buy it from you. So some people are just there for the for the show. But there are also people that are there because they're genuine believers. And at those moments, their faith has to be strengthened and brought to a level that's unimaginable. Now let's go, I wanna to go to Luke 7, one through 10, and talk about the perception of the centurion and the perception of Jesus himself. Here in Mark, and this story is re repeated also in Luke 5, but we're going to, uh, the version I went with here was Mark 2. So in here, you also see, not necessarily the perception of Jesus, but you see the perception of the believers and of the crowd of people so much that all of these people have come to get either a word from Jesus or a healing from Jesus. 
and to get the healing they have compacted in this room. They've lined out outside. If you remember the story, and I'm not going to go over the scripture, but if you remember the story of the woman with the issue of blood, she fights through a crowd as well. Because remember, there's always a crowd of people about Jesus, someone to hear him preach, someone to get hear about the kingdom of God, someone to be healed, many wanting to be healed. Some at one point even just want to be fed because Jesus fed like 5,000 men. It was probably 10, 20, 30,000 people there, right? Because they only counted men and didn't count women and children. So you have a mix of people and so many people there that it's all, you almost can't count them, right? And in the midst of all of these people, many are for healing. They, they want to touch Jesus. You know, Jesus, tell me just, you know, what things are going to be all right. Let me touch you. Let me hold you. Can you put your hand on me and pray for me? Can you spit in my eyes? Because he spit in one guy's eyes or made mud in his hand, spit in his hand and put the spit and mud on the guy's eyes and healed him. And he's like, they're wanting Jesus to physically do something. And they're all there to get something from Jesus. They want them to physically do something. That's why there's crowds of people as far as the eye can see. We're going to see something totally different in Luke 7 than we would see in Mark 2 and Luke 5, the story of uh, the guy lowering his friend or the friends lowering their buddy through the ceiling. We're going to see something remarkably different. I'll read it to you. Luke 7, I'm reading out of the ESV. After he had finished all his sayings in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. Now a centurion had a servant who was sick and at the point of death, who was highly valued by him. When the centurion heard about Jesus, he sent to him elders of the Jews, asking him to come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they pleaded with him earnestly, saying, He is worthy to have you do this for him, for he loves our nation, and he is the one who built us our synagogue. And Jesus went with them. When he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself. For I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. Therefore, I do not presume to come to you, but say the word and let my servant be healed. For I too am a man set under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him and turning to the crowd that followed him. Because once again, there's always a crowd around Jesus. He said to this massive crowd, I tell you, not even in Israel, and he's speaking to Israelites, have I found such faith. And when those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the servant well. So look at what happened. Jesus always having a posse with them, always having a crew, people wanting healing, food, being touched, something. A centurion comes and says, listen, not even from Israel. Most likely not even a Jew because the Jews are the one talking to Jesus pleading on the behalf of this foreigner. And the foreigner says, listen, Jesus, I don't need you to come to me. I don't need to be a member of the crowd trying to grab your clothing. You are powerful. And I believe if you just speak it into existence, the servant that I'm coming to you on the behalf of will be healed. I don't need to come. I don't need to send 50 people. Lord God, I believe that you are so powerful that if you just speak it, it'll be healed. And look at the perception of the centurion. The perception of the crowd is we need to touch Jesus, pull on Jesus, get to Jesus, whatever I can do to get to Jesus. The perception of the centurion is I think Jesus is the most powerful thing in the universe. 
And being that powerful, I don't need to touch him. I don't need him to give me a prayer cloth. I don't need to uh, spin around in seven times and bark like a dog. I don't need to give $500,000. Now, it says that he had gave remarkably. They actually said the only reason that he they really had a church, a synagogue, was because this man was so valiant in, in helping make sure that that happened. Said he is the one who built us our synagogue. The centurion did. So he had already sowed into the kingdom. He's already given. He believed in the kingdom and is already sown into the kingdom. And he says, Jesus, if you you are who I think you are, and he doesn't even say if Jesus, I know you. I have authority, and I tell people come and go. All I, all you have to do is if you speak it, it'll happen. I don't need a prayer cloth. I don't need uh, to to bring. Uh, something back. I don't need to touch you. We don't need to ship my servant there. We don't need to bust you here. You speak it and it'll be done. You will it basically. If you will for it to be done, it'll be done. The perception of the centurion was so dramatically different than the perception of the crowd. The crowd says we got to get to Jesus. The centurion says is all Jesus has to do is will it and it'll be done. Regardless where I'm in in the world, regardless where my, the state of my life is, regardless of if I've done 50 great things, 50 bad things, regardless if I've said all of the right prayers, regardless if I've done all of the right things, regardless if I've made everything just the right way. If Jesus wills it, it will be done. He just needs to will it. And you see the perception of Jesus toward the centurion and toward the Israelites. When you have someone of greatness comes into your presence. And I'm not talking about Jesus. I'm talking about the centurion to Jesus. Of course, Jesus is great. But when you have someone great like the centurion and the faith of the centurion come into your presence, it makes everything else clearer. It makes you appreciate the centurion. It also makes you look at those, the crowd, the massive amount of people that are around you and go, man, you guys are missing it. So the perception of Jesus toward the centurion is like, wow, this is amazing. And what does Jesus do? Jesus speaks it and the man and the man's servant is healed. He's not even trying to get his family healed or himself healed. He's he loves his servants even. He's trying to get a servant healed. So Jesus speaks it. The man's servant is healed. And then Jesus, Jesus talks. And well, he speaks to the crowd. Uh, that is around him and says, I've never, even from you guys, and you guys have been uh, with me this entire time or, or walking with me, hanging around me, being around me in Israel among Jewish people. I, I can't, I don't see this much faith. And from a foreigner, he seems like he gets it. He understands it. Perception is reality. What's the difference? Could all of the, could that guy who cut a hole in the roof and lowered his, his, the servant down, could they have just sent a letter to Jesus and say, Hey, Jesus, if you will it to be done, you speak it, our friend will be healed. He could have, but his percept, he didn't perceive Jesus as the God who could heal from a distance. He perceived him as the God who could heal up close. So Jesus became the God who could heal up close. The perception of the centurion is Jesus is the God that can heal from anywhere. So to the centurion, Jesus became the God who could heal from anywhere. What am I trying to tell you? I'm trying to tell you that perception is reality. Your perception is your reality. If you perceive your circumstance as the circumstance that cannot be beaten, then to you, that circumstance is unbeatable. If if you believe that with the power of Jesus Christ, and the blood of Jesus Christ, any circumstance can be beaten, then to you, that circumstance becomes beatable. 
someone actually it even says this in the Bible. It says a righteous man may fall, right? Multiple times, but he'll get back up. The wicked, they fall in this calamity. To the righteous, I have fallen, but I am covered under the blood of Jesus, so I will stand up again. And it says the righteous can fall over and over and over, and we get back up. Where someone that is wicked, they fall into their destruction. What is the difference? The difference is we are covered under the blood of Jesus Christ. We have the centurion's type faith that, Lord God, I don't need something special. Now, some people believe that. Some people believe they need five prayer cloths. Or they need to go rub uh, the belly of uh, Buddha or, or they need to uh, or even Christian faith. They need all of these symbols or rosaries or beads and nothing against the Catholics. I'm not attacking your faith. If you need that, then you need that. If you're one of the crowd and say, and not knocking the crowd. The crowd knew enough to come to Jesus to get their healing, and a lot of them were healed. But if we can only elevate to the perception of the centurion to say, I don't need the prayer beads, the prayer cloths, the prayer. Uh, the Bible says that some of the apostles were so anointed that people were getting healed just off of their handkerchiefs. That's amazing. But that necessarily, that isn't where their faith was. It's just this guy took off his jacket basically and threw it to someone else. And the guy wasn't trying to receive a miracle, but he just touched the jacket and got a miracle out of proximity. And maybe we need to do a podcast on profit, uh, being a prophet by proximity, being blessed by proximity. But when it comes to perception, that is you seeking to go after something, not you receiving something unexpectedly. But this is I'm seeking to go after something. And I want to challenge us to elevate our perception to the level of the centurion. Know that God can. God can. God meets you at where your faith is. If your faith is, I need to go to church at least seven times a week for God to hear my prayers, then, th you, then you need to do that. You need to go seven times a week for God to hear your prayers. If you, if your perception is, you know, I can go to church once a week, twice a week. The Bible says don't forsake the fellowship. So we need to go to church. We need to fellowship with other believers and congregate with other believers for the hearing uh, and the doing of God's will and God's word. Um, but if you're, if you're at, Hey, I don't need to be sitting at an altar to receive a blessing then God will meet you in the car. He will meet you in the hospital. He will meet you on your deathbed. He will meet you at the golf course. He will meet you wherever he, your faith is strong enough to seek him because it's your perception. Do you have to be, pull on his garment to get a blessing or can you just call on his name and get it? Do you have to call the priest and, and six preachers and a bishop and an elder all to come? Or can you just say a prayer? with you and your family and know that God is just there just as much. I'm not saying that there, are, there aren't anointed men and women. What I'm saying is, where's your perception? Where's your perception? What do you think? Where's your viewpoint? Can you call on the name of the Lord and know that he will answer you and that he is just as strong in your living room, crying out to him. I'm not saying don't go to church. What I'm saying is God is not only in the church. He is wherever you are because the church is in you. The church is the body of believers. Can you perceive that God is, will bless you, love you, be on side of you, on the side of the road, changing your tire just like he is at the altar? Because God is in you. The Bible says greater is he that's in me than he that is what in the world.
God is with you wherever you are. Where's your perception? Do you have the faith to believe God can take you to the next level in your life? Do you have the faith to believe God can marry you? Do you have the faith to believe God can heal you of an uncurable disease? Do you have the faith to believe that God can step in with your children, your mother, your family, your brother, your father, your cousins, your boss, your whoever fill in the blank here? What do you perceive? I love the movie Coach Carter, and he would ask he would ask the players, he would say, "What what is your greatest fear, young man?" And they would all just kind of look at him puzzled. And he, he'd ask that to, through the entire movie, tons of times. What is your greatest fear, young man? What is your greatest fear, young man? And he was trying to get him to think. What is my great? What is my? How do I see the world? How do I see myself? And he says, "The greatest fear isn't that you'll fail." It is that you are powerful beyond even what you could know. We have to know that with Jesus inside of us, we are powerful beyond what we could ever know. We are. We are more, we're more powerful than what we could ever know. Our potential isn't what we dream. Our actual potential is light years above whatever we could dream. The Bible even says it, right? Above whatever we could ask or think, God will deliver. So that means above whatever we could possibly dream, the biggest dream you could ever have, God even has more for you. Jeremiah, he says, I know the plans I have for you, and they're good plans, not bad plans. Plans Plans to bring you to hope and a future. More than you could ask or think, God has for you. You just have to perceive it. What did you perceive? Check your vision. You know, is every situation that looks like this bad? Or is this situation an opportunity for you to love God, hold integrity, and let God do a miracle that blesses you and everyone else can know how good your God is? Let's have the perception of the centurion today. Lord God, touch us. God, strengthen us. Be with us in Jesus' name. Amen.